0: Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. In today's episode, Brandon has an amazing chat with award-winning screenwriter Ben Johnson Jr. about his truly miraculous story and the themes that are the core of his drive. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Hollingsworth coming to you again with Theophany Media's Creatively Christian podcast and I am so excited uh, to bring you our guest today, uh, Mr. Ben Johnson Jr. I've been pursuing this guy for a couple of years trying to get him on the podcast but he's so busy. Uh, so, so welcome Ben to the podcast. We're so glad you're here.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. Thank you All so right. much. Awesome.
0: And uh, Ben's coming to us all the way from South Africa, and so I'd love to introduce him to our audience. And I'm just gonna read Ben's very impressive uh, uh, resume and uh, bio here. So Ben Johnson is a screenwriter and content creator who's passionate about telling authentic, emotionally compelling, universally appealing stories. Ben grew up in a previously disadvantaged community in South Africa during the apartheid years. His strict upbringing was peppered with loads of personal trauma, rebellion, and domestic violence. While his mother was a God fearing woman, his father was an alcoholic. One of his brothers was a minister, the other a drug addict and gangster. As a result of this domestic dichotomy, he's interested in what makes people either embrace or fight their inner darkness. He's comfortable in both the film, the feature film, and TV drama spaces and tells stories about deeply flawed and conflicted characters thrust into difficult circumstances beyond their control. Which forced them to make tough moral choices that reveal their true nature. He's worked as a head writer, storyliner, and script writer on 12 television shows and led several series developments. To date, he's written five short films and 11 feature films, including two novel to screen adaptations and an international martial arts co production between South Africa and Thailand. His screenplays have placed highly in both local and international screen competitions. His thriller script, Canaan, won the feature diversity category for the 2019 Final Draft Big Break Contest, and Ben was invited to Los Angeles to participate in the final draft awards and was consequently signed by Plain Text Literary Management. In 2020, Ben was invited to pitch two scripts at the Berlin Film Festival's Africa Finance Hub and his NYFC Fellowship Alumni. His script editing clients include the KwaZulu natal Film Commission, the National Film and Video Foundation, and the Namibian Film Commission. He has served as a council member for the Writers Guild of South Africa and a judge for both the WGSA News Awards and the South African Film and Television Awards. Wow. I mean, I just got, I got the just reading all that. It sounds so, so amazing, Ben. And, and, I don't know. I mean, I want to hear about your history, but it seems like you've been super prolific. Did you just start this, you know, just prior to 2019 with that final draft award or were you writing before then?
1: That's a, that's a good question. I've, I've been at this since 2009. Okay. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been quite a journey to build to where I am. Um, So what you, what you're looking at there is, um, you know, 13 years of work, Um, to get where I am Um, a lot of it the first half of it was kind of just writing spec stuff um, doing a lot of work for free Mm -hmm. uh, trying to learn the craft Um, I did sell one or two things but I really it's only been about seven or eight years that I've been working full-time professionally in the industry being paid Mm -hmm. gave up my day job Um, so yeah that's, that's the accumulation but it kind of also speaks to the fact that I grab opportunities you know if I If if something comes my way, and I think that this is um, a way to build into my career, because it's always about credibility, Mm -hmm. and um, and 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 getting people to believe they can trust you with work, or you you can be paid to do work, and it's a it's a big it's a big journey, especially like for somebody like me, who didn't start in the industry, we started quite late in life, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, age age of thirty nine, I discovered screenwriting. I had a family, wife, and four kids. A completely different unrelated career path right. um, and it just it just kind of happened that way so I've always I've always felt like I'm playing catch-up yeah. and because of that I kind of I, I I tend to work a lot harder um, um, I tend to grab opportunities I'm very mercenary about that because I feel like I don't have as much time as other people have yeah. had Um, so that, that's kind of why it looks like that. You know, if, -hmm. if if something comes to me and I say, well, this could put me in a position to, to, to move on or to level up to the next thing, then I, then I do it. That's, that's how I make decisions.
0: Yeah. And I think, I I don't, I don't know exactly, but I would imagine you and I are probably about the same age, Ben. And and I feel the same way in that I almost feel like I don't have enough time to waste anymore. You know, it's like I've wasted a lot of time. And so now there's this drive to kind of make every moment and in every word count. And so I think there's a there's a kind of internal, especially as a believer, you know, you've got to make this impact, you know, for the kingdom. And so I think I feel that resonating with you. And there's so many things to unpack and just that initial spiel. Um, So I want to I want to talk a little bit about what you were doing before you kind of had this big break or your introduction to screenwriting and what that, what, what that journey was like. So could you talk a little bit about what were you doing before? How did you discover screenwriting? And then what were the next steps?
1: Okay, well, the, the answer to that is quite simple. I did everything. So, <laughs> I, I was one of those people that, that, you know, I didn't really know who I was. It took me a long time to discover who I was and become confident in who I was. I was always, always a follower not a leader ironically, because I find my life was in the, kind of the opposite direction at the moment. But I was always that guy that was one step behind. Um, you know, when we were in school, my friends always knew exactly what they wanted to do. And they went and they did it. I came out. I wasn't sure. You know, I was, I was a very rebellious teen. Um, and I think part of the problem, to be quite honest, was that, you know, I was a creative. And, and, and the the community that I grew up in, or at least let's say the, 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 the situation that I grew up in politically and culturally, even though we appreciated the arts, nobody actually saw that as a viable career path, you know, I mean, how do you make money, you know, in the arts. Okay. And so we were never encouraged and also coming out of an apartheid kind of uh, uh, situation we were quite heavily socially engineered. So what I mean by that is that the government would allow certain opportunities for certain race groups. And my my um, my community, which in, in, in inverted commas is known as the colored community in South Africa, we mixed race, mm-hmm. right? Um, we were kind of steered towards trades or teaching, nothing above that. So you wouldn't get a lot of, you know, colored doctors or anything like that. No, we'd be teachers. Women would become teachers. Men would become tradesmen. Uh-huh. Um, I, I kind of was the first person to break that mold in my family. I decided to go to to university. I managed to get a, a, a bursary. I went to university to study law. And I did pretty well, but I became disillusioned by it very quickly. Um, and I also, we had a lot of financial problems at home. So I ended up having to leave university and go find a job to help support at home so that was the end of my university career mm-hmm. and from there I kind of just hopped from thing to thing whatever whatever you know whatever job it was whatever dead-end job I kind of took it um, the law thing kind of stuck with me because I, I, I loved that that logical approach to things so I ended up studying a bit further after that uh, I went into labor law and from there I found my way uh, into human resources so um for a for a for a long time I was involved in management human resources people management union fights and meetings and, and disciplinary hearings. It was so soul-destroying. <laughs> I promise you, I was, I was like dying on the inside. Oh, you know? yeah,
0: I feel you, um, brother.
1: I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a creative, you know, it's just like, and and. but I've always been creative. I'm a musician as well, you know, uh, my whole family of musicians. Um, so I was always involved some way, but not once. I promise you, not once did I stop and think, I could actually make money. I mean, I love the movies. I've watched thousands of movies. It's, it's one of my favorite pastimes. But not once did I look at it and think, you know what? Somebody's getting paid to write this right. stuff. Right. Never occurred to me. Yeah. I mean, it sounds silly, right? But it's, it wasn't within my 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 framework, you know, of 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 a perception of of what I could be. It was just it was beyond. And one day I was sitting. I don't know if it was a doctor's office or somewhere, and we had this like little. Um, local newspaper publication and I picked it up and you know, some things in your life are just kind of destined. I I can't explain them. I can't explain it any other way because any, any, any slight factor that was different, I wouldn't be talking to you today, honestly. So I'm sitting there, I pick up this little publication and there's like about a five line ad and they're advertising a course in filmmaking. And I looked at this thing and I thought, filmmaking, you know, like, and, and it was for the entire province of KwaZulu-Natal, you know, I mean, in my city alone, there's 3 million people. So they were only choosing 20. Wow. And you had to write a, a, a um, sort of a motivational letter as to what you would do with this course. And then they would choose 20 people to do this course. So I wrote this this letter, sent it in, never thinking anything. I just, I was curious. I promise you, I didn't even know how to turn a video camera on. I was like that (laughs) clueless. I had no idea. I was like, let's just take a chance. And lo and behold, they come back to me and say, look, you've been awarded a place in this course. And what it was is we went to um, our our local university, uh, University of KZN. And in, the, and in the media department, they took us through the entire filmmaking process from like the scripting to lighting to camera work, directing. For a week, we did this every day. I had to travel there and do this. Um, and I, I hated everything except the writing. I mean, it's like I hated everything except the writing. And they ran this thing in conjunction with the Durban International Film Festival, which is quite a prestigious festival. And when the course was over, they took us to the festival. I've never been to a film festival before. I was like, what is going on? I've right. never seen this stuff before. <laughs> and um, they had the one of the bodies that I mentioned in my bio, the, 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 the National Film and Video Foundation, which is our kind of governmental body that oversees film and television kind of creates opportunities, um, our film publication board falls under them, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were running some workshops on career in film. And obviously, they had one on, on, on screenwriting. And I thought, let me go check this thing out. You know, what is this about, really? Oh. And I promise you, I was there five minutes, and I absolutely fell in love. I was like, without a shadow of a doubt, I knew this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I had no—I I was completely clueless. Uh-huh. But I, I felt like this is it. This is what I've been looking for my, my whole life—the ability to 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 sort of package my creativity with my business mind with all of the stuff, all in one. He has it here. Uh-huh. So I, I went and I made some inquiries about it. Found out some stuff. And when I when I'd finished the workshop, I got home. And I, I had a day job, but I, I was—I just started writing. This stuff just started coming out of me, coming out of me, and I couldn't stop it, you know. And I wrote the script. I think it took me about a month, and the script was done. And in the meantime, what had happened was, I—I—I like I said, I did a bunch of things. I was in—I was in HR. I got tired of HR, and I decided to go into teaching. I went in. Uh, I had no teaching qualification. This is me. If you want to know me. Like in a nutshell, I just don't care about any of that stuff. I try. Right? I
0: love it. I love so, it.
1: So I applied for this teaching job as a as a as a music and drama teacher at this this primary school, and lo and behold, I got the job. Right, and I, and I loved the teaching. I hated the politics of teaching, but I loved the teaching. And eventually, I kind of um, I, the politics got to me. I left the teaching job. I opened my own music studio, and I started teaching music. And I had, a, I had a big studio. I had about 300 student, students that I taught on a weekly basis. So I was like really, really busy. I started playing music professionally, um, you know, gigging, doing, uh, uh, you know, uh, session stuff in the studio, um, helping people produce albums. And the problem was that's not, job for a guy with a wife and four kids right (laughs) it's like (laughs) so there was a lot of tension at home because I was earning well but I just never saw my family you know it just wasn't so one day I had this crazy idea as I often do and I said to my wife you know what wouldn't it be nice to just pack the lot up and like go live on a farm she said that would be the most amazing thing and you won't believe me um about a month or two later out the blue this guy phones me and he says um I've heard about you from somewhere and I have this, 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 um, this uh, uh, hardware, very large hardware concern. And I'm looking for a manager, HR manager, but we like out in the rurals. Will you come and take this job? I said, yes. I didn't didn't even know how I was going to get there. I didn't know kind of what, what house, nothing, everything was like basically on faith. We just did it. We said, this is the right thing to do for our family. We were gone, right? Awesome. Okay, so, so long story short, I, I enjoyed the job, job for a while, but there I was in HR again, getting ground down and there was the writing. So there was this tension between this thing that I love to do, but couldn't earn me money, right? right. And, um, and, and this thing that I had to do that did earn me money. And that was a tension for a while. And, and, and I was quite miserable. And eventually my wife was an amazing person. And everything that I've accomplished to this point is, is, is largely because she supports me and encourages me. And even when I don't kind of believe in myself, she does. So it's amazing to have a partner like that. And, and, and she said to me, she said to me, you know what? Remember that scripture you wrote? When we, were, when we were back in Durban. And I said, yeah, she said, what are you doing with your writing? You told me came home, you said to me, this is it. And now look what we're doing. You're miserable, blah, 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 blah. And she said, you know, when I read that script, I don't know anything about script writing, but when I read it, I cried because there was something there. You need to do something wow. with it. Awesome. So I was like, okay, let, let, me, let, let me see. So I made some inquiries. I got a hold of, again, this uh, you know our, 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 our national body uh, our film body, the National Film and, and, and Video Foundation, and I said, listen, I hear you guys fund scripts. Um I want to, I want my script funded. You know, what do I do? So they gave me some information. I got on a I got on two buses. Because I mean when I say I lived on a cattle farm, yeah. I mean, there was like nothing around. There was nothing. You know, if you, if you literally there was nothing. So I got on two buses, went to Johannesburg, right? 14, 15 hour trip. I land in Johannesburg, I don't even know where this place is. I have no idea, right? I land there at four or five in the morning. And I'm like, okay, now I've got to find this place. By some miracle, by a miracle, I find this place in the middle of Johannesburg, which is a massive city. I get there, it's like six in the morning, the place is locked. So I sit on the pavement, I sit there on the pavement till nine o'clock when the receptionist comes and opens the door. As she opens the door, the woman hasn't even put her bag down yet. I come in. I've got the script with me, right, Right. in my hand. And I come in and I flop it onto her desk and I say, this is who I am. I've written the script. We need to make this film. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It doesn't really work like that, you know. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. You've got to apply and there's forms. So she takes me to the process. She's very gracious. I get the forms. I go to an internet cafe. I sit the whole day filling the stuff in. I hand it back into her two buses home and i'm back into my job and i'm like i forget about it i forget about it three four months later i get a a, i get a a, an email from the national film and video foundation say thank you we've received your application and we'd just like to say to you that you have no idea what you're doing right (laughs) but we feel you have potential, like you have an ability. There's something about your storytelling. So we'd like to give you an opportunity. And long story short, they ran an honors program, a postgrad program for, for filmmakers in script writing. Now, everybody that did that program, I must tell you, were either they were had been writing for like 10 years and writing in TV rooms, or they were. Uh, 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 directors or producers or television station managers and here was I we actually worked in a hardware store and they gave me the opportunity to do this thing right
0: that's awesome
1: and so it was it was a year of up and down to Johannesburg and, and workshops and back and forth and all of that stuff but eventually um, I managed to finish top of the class unbelievably I managed to finish top of the class um, and, and from there it was like, okay, so, and so I suppose it's a question, like, what do I do next now? How do I, how do you get into the industry? You've got a qualification, you, you know, what do you do? And it's not right. easy, but again, I'm, like I'm saying, there's an appointment, you know, there's, there's sometimes things are destined, right? Yep. Yep. And, and the, and the way the the way the, the course ended was you did all the stuff on screenwriting, and then you, you had to pitch to a live panel of producers, like a real producers right and I was the last person to pitch I I couldn't believe it I was the most nervous I mean my hands my knees were shaking and I was the last person and everybody else did so well they had like all these presentations and you know I had nothing I had this little I think it was like a little piece of paper that I'd written on and I got up there and I was shaking and I said my log line I just said my log line I managed to get it out and the room got quiet and I heard a producer say, "Wow." Now, that's the story. And oh straight, straight straight afterwards, I promise you, straight afterwards, she came up to me and she said to me, I want to work with you. We need to make this movie. But when I got back to the farm and work, and everything just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And then I said to my wife, uh, you know, this is weird. Like, I've, I've now I've done the course. Again, I'm doing nothing with this thing. So I took some time off. I came back to Durban for the Durban Film Festival. It Every year it runs. So I said, let me just go and make some kind of connection with film type people. And, you know, so I, I went I went to the film festival, went to all the courses I could, met some people. Nothing spectacular. And the last day, I mean, they, they're packing up, right? They're like taking stuff apart. This is two years or three years later after the course, eh? like three years later. Right. And they're packing everything up, putting the stands down, and I'm in the hotel, and I'm walking down the stairs, and there's a woman walking next to me, and she turns to me and she says to me, I know you. And I turned to her and I said, excuse me, she said, I know you, you're the guy with the story. She said, I was was one of those producers, I was the person that liked your story when you pitched it in Johannesburg. She said, what are you doing? I said, well, nothing. She said, give me your number, I'll give you a call. And everybody says that to you, right? Like, give me your number. I'm like, okay, here's my number, what about it? About a month later, I'm shopping with my wife. The phone rings, it's her. And she's like, have you ever written for television? I'm like, no, never written for television in my life. Would you like to? I said, well, I, I don't know how to do it. She said, doesn't matter, would you like to? I said, yes. She said, be in Johannesburg tomorrow. And that was it. I was like home. Grab the backpack. I don't even know what I threw into the backpack. Right. Again, two buses, Johannesburg. And that was my first, my first television job. So, um, and in fact, she and I today are, are are partners in a business together. We we production, we producing partners. Awesome. So it's been like it's been like a long. So that's kind of how I got in. It was completely. It was just. It was the way it was planned for me. Yes. It was way the doors were opened. I can't. I can't explain to you any other way. It wasn't me. I, right. I, I like. I knew nothing. But I feel like every 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 time I take a step, then the next door opens. Then the next door opens, and I just keep walking, and I just keep yeah. walking, and I keep walking. Yeah. So you know, I've written. I've written a lot. Like. Um. South Africa, I, I'm, I'm quite well known. If you talk about me, people will know me, but that's never been my my, my goal. I've always wanted to work in the overseas industry, particularly in the, in the American industry, because I feel the standard of writing is so high. So the next question for me became, how does a guy from Africa break into Hollywood? Right. So that's the, that's the big question. And that now sounds like, if the first part of the story sounded like an impossibility, now I'm right. like, this doesn't make any kind of sense because nobody knows me. You know, I know our standard is not that standard, then nobody's going to give me a chance. So then one day, out the blue, I thought, but what if I had a manager? What if I had somebody who believed in me, who was in the industry, who could champion me? Right. Surely that would solve the problems. So that became the goal. And that's why I ended up entering a uh, big break. It was completely strategic. I was like, how am I going to get a meeting with a manager? I'm going to get my work in front of people so they can see that I have the talent to write at the standard and and that was it. And Big Break was, I think the fifth competition that I entered, right? and, and the funny thing, when I tell people the story, they don't believe me. I entered the same script in five competitions, and I never changed it once. Right? So <laughs> the, first, the first time, I didn't even make second round. I didn't hear from them again. But the second time, I got to quarters. right. Then I got to semis. Then I got to finals. And in big break, I won my category. <laughs> and i i and i and i got meet and that was all it was about it was meetings and um i'm, I'm so happy with, with with my management um we've come so far together such such good things are happening we have the same value system um they really believe in me and i really trust them that's great. Um, so that's where we are now we've got we've got uh, several projects um on the table at the moment, and that's my, my, my major focus. I still do work here in South Africa, but my focus is overseas. We've got something that's, that's being taken out at the moment and being pitched. We've got very, very good reactions with that script from some some big agencies. We've got big name talent involved. I wish I could say more, but uh, it will come soon. I believe yeah. that it's one of those things that are destined as well, the way that project fell together. Mm-hmm. I had another one funded last year. I'm busy with that one. And I'm writing one for a, uh, um, an Australian-British uh, director. He's one of the directors from the British series Dr. Wu. Wow. And um, so uh, uh, I'm very pleased to be help- working with him on that. I've just given him first draft we going to second draft and there's some big names attached there. So there, there's a lot of things happening and I don't get overwrought about it. I kind of just focus and like, let's just work. Right. And when it happens, if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. That's kind of how I am. So long story. No, that's, that's great. Kind of, <laughs> that's kind of,
0: <laughs> and, and that's, and that's such a great and inspiring story. And there's again, so many wonderful nuggets. We're, we're definitely going to have you back on Ben, because there there's so many nuggets to unpack, but so, first of all, I have a burning question that I must ask. When are you going to write your story? Because your story would be a great
1: movie. It would just be a great movie. You know what? The, the, the death knoll of every writer is writing about writers. I know the day I do that, but my fate is sealed. You know, I just, I, I, you know, I don't, there are so many miraculous things that have happened along the way that I have no other way of explaining except saying that they were miracles. I mean... The, the the thing that I, the reason I try and I try and tell people my story is because I always say to them that if I could do it to get to where I am now, nothing nothing is impossible. You know, it's just I mean, when we were writing and when we were working, you know, especially when I was studying, like I say, we lived on a cattle farm and then I walk I worked in town, which was about 10 Ks away. I had no vehicle. I used to run, walk or cycle to work every single day and back and in the snow, sometimes the rain, it didn't matter. And the job wasn't enough because it was a small town. They couldn't afford to pay me enough. Uh So I, I had three jobs, you know, I had three jobs. I would come from that job. I would then teach music. And then I had another job. Then I had to come home to my family. And when you're living on a farm, you know, you can't pick up the phone and say, you know, my plumbing or whatever you, everything we did with ourselves, we had to chop wood for mm-hmm. fire so that we could cook, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and 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 then I would start studying at like 10, 11 at night till three in the morning and be back at work at seven. And I did that for a long time. We had no internet and people don't believe me. I actually did a tweet about this but I used to write on my Blackberry. That's how I would write. I had no computer. I literally had no laptop. I've so done I done write. I've done that as well. <laughs> So it sounds crazy, but no, I, no. it's like, you know, it's, it's, what I, it's, it's, my, it's just how I've always, I suppose it's the way I've been raised, that you do the best with what you have, you know, um, what you have in your hand, use that. Don't always make excuses about, oh, if I only had this and if I yeah. only... You can do something with what you have but it's yeah. it's like if and i believe that if you if you make the use of what you the best use of what you have now yeah. then you'll be blessed with other stuff yes. you know but, it, but it's it's you can't i mean you, it, i can use it i can do i can suppose i can illustrate it financially i mean if you can't budget with a hundred bucks and you blow a hundred bucks what are you gonna do if I'm giving you a million is not gonna solve your problem? Right. If right. you don't have good financial habits, so it's the same thing. You know, like people are always waiting for more. I remember on Twitter as well, a guy, a guy, a guy, came into my DMs and he was complaining about how difficult it is, you know, to. And I'm the last person. Do not talk to me about how difficult it is to become Bye. a screenwriter. I'm the wrong person if you're looking for sympathy. And he came there and he was like, wow, you know, it's so difficult. Um, how We don't have access to, um, you know, all this information. I said to him, but you've got Google, you yes. know, like, yes. says, yeah, you know, um, you know but it's, I don't have a computer. I said, uh, you are tweeting right now. You're right. on the internet tweeting to me. So, like what is stopping you from figuring out, you know, what are some of the basic skills and how can, so there's no excuse. You know, that's kind of my approach to it.
0: I yeah. agree. And I think that is a critical point. And it's a critical point for screenwriters, but also for any creative, whether you're Christian or not, is that, and it's one of my kind of, you know, bedrock rules that I always follow. I know several years ago, um, you know, I was, I was, like you, I was working, you know, a full-time job or a couple of jobs and trying to be creative at night and weekends and, trying to fit it in and I realized that I was defeating myself because I had this kind of thing in my head where oh, if I don't have the right computer and if it's not in the right place in the house I don't have the right chair and the right monitor and mm. I can't write mm. and God yeah. convicted me of that And he said you're just making excuses you don't, yeah. you don't really want to write if you want to write you'll write on a Blackberry like you know yeah and um, yeah. And, and so yeah so I basically tried to you know remove all those distractions and, and just be about mm. the business of writing and there's so much that a young creative can learn about just getting to work just do the work that God has given you and do it to the best yeah. of your ability with like you said sure. the, the tool that you have in your hand and you know yeah. to to whom a little is given you know to more, to more to more when you're given more you're going to be expected to do more so, I mean, exactly. so, exactly. so exactly so much of the scriptural in there
1: exactly so
0: talk a little bit about um, about what it's, what it's like now on the other side of this. I mean, you had this amazing miraculous story and again, I think you should write it, but, but we'll, we'll talk about that some other time, but what is it like now kind of on the other side of the curtain? You know, you have these great successes. You've got these films behind you. Now, do you, and and I know the answer to this, but I want you to tell it because I see when you're online, right? (laughs) You and I talk very often early in the morning and late at night. So do yeah. you work as hard now as you, when you first started, or have you slacked off a little bit?
1: Harder, way harder. It's like, um, again, it's, I, 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 feel, I, I feel like I have wolves chasing me, the, the wolves of time. And it's like, I, you know, people, people look at life in a strange way. Sometimes we have this delusion I can say, okay, I'm 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 at this age, so I've got so much time left. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know if I've got a day left. I don't know if I'm going to finish this conversation with you, and that's going to be it for me. Amen. So I, I i have a I have a sense of urgency about about discharging what I believe to be my calling in this world. What I, What am I here to do? And I I, I was made a creative. So, the, what am I doing with my creativity? Am I living to my potential? As somebody once said, the graveyard is full of potential. Amen. You know, it's like, it's like people. This, what am I always waiting for? So, the question, the answer to the question is, I, I work harder now than I ever have because I'm always trying to do what is impossible or extraordinary, and you can't do extraordinary by working ordinary it Amen. just it just doesn't it just doesn't happen you know that's, that's a great so, motto <laughs> that's great i want that on a shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just it's impossible you know it's like there's a cost to everything so it's like and i find like that people i don't know how to put this in a in a in a in a, in a non-offensive way but doesn't matter what kind of illusion or delusion we believe it's a society on the surface underneath it all the 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 working parts are the same there are principles that you cannot break or that you cannot fight against like for instance what you put in is what you get out it doesn't matter what you do that will never change you cannot there'll never be a time where you put little in and get much out, you know? Right. It's like, it's, it's, it's so I feel like, especially when I'm on Twitter, those are the things that I try to talk about. I try not to talk about craft too much because there's so much controversy about this is how you do it. Right. But my experience, not just in terms of screenwriting, but over my lifetime and being involved in different things, leading people in different ways, running companies, doing that kind of thing. What, what what i found out it's not the thing the activity it's not the talent it's the person right so the, the 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 real the real and maybe people don't believe this that's fine but my experience has been that people worry too much about the writing right. they don't worry enough about the writer uh-huh. and i suppose you can put that you can you can you can Take that and apply that to all creativity they worry about the creation they don't worry about the creator right. you know um and it's like who you are the habits that you form the way you conduct yourself that ultimately opens doors for you as much as you say your talent does because like yeah. I'm, I'm a person that hires all the time i run tv shows i'm always hiring and i can't tell you how many people have robbed themselves of opportunities just because they can't keep their word or they don't return an email or they can't meet a deadline Mm -hmm. or they can't be honest. Or, you know, it's those type of things that ultimately either level you up into success or, or hold you back. So yeah. those, those are the kinds of things I try to talk about on Twitter, because I feel ultimately, those are the most important. I don't yeah. consider myself very, very talented. Sorry. I don't, I don't consider myself. Ta- there are people that are far more talented than me, but I feel like the, the little bit of success that I've achieved is not because of my talent. It's because I work really, really hard yeah. and I try to conduct myself in a way that, that, that is honorable with integrity. Um, I, try to, I try to treat people in a particular way. And I think because of that, it's moved me forward. And, and that's kind of my advice to people in general.
0: Yeah, and it's so much, it's so much harder to, you know, to interact with a person and teach them those principled behaviors, right? It's much harder to teach them those than it is just to take a principled person who already has that kind of baked into their personality and then teach them the craft. Right, I mean, it's like it's so much. It's so much. It's so much. It like it puts you so farther ahead in in life to have those principled, you know, moral things that are already instilled in your person. And and I just want to kind of give you a shout out here. And I honestly don't know how you get any work done, because I've watched you over the past two and a half years do this time and time again on Twitter. Is that you? You you actually do what you're talking about. You're not just saying this for this podcast. <laughs> And then you go live a different way. I mean, I have seen you take a ton of time with people on Twitter, and you've even taken time with me, and I'm appreciative of it. And it's not about craft, right? It's really about getting to know the person, interacting with them on a personal level. I Honestly, Ben, I don't know how you have time to do that and also do all the work you do. You must write, like you must be able to type a million words in a second. But for the folks that are listening, Ben is the the most open and welcoming and just frankly, honest and warmest person I've ever met on Twitter. And, and it's amazing to see you interact with the world and, and espouse exactly what you're saying. So hats off to you, brother. I mean, it's just it's, uh, it's challenging, um, but also it's encouraging all at the same time. So I appreciate, I appreciate that. Um, Thank you. I, I would love it if you would talk just a little bit about, um, not specifically, because I know you can't get into specifics, but right now you, you talked about your mission earlier as a writer and how you feel the wolves of time um, chasing you. And you've got to, you've got to tell these stories. What are the, maybe the top two or three stories that you just really feel like God's placed in your heart right now that you really need to tell. And you can be general. You don't have to be specific. What are the big themes that you
1: really feel as a writer? God wants me to talk about. That's, that's, that's quite easy for me. And I'll give a little bit of background to the, 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 the heaviest theme on my heart, which is part of my voice when I write, are father-child relationships. And that's because of what you read in my bio. So just a little bit, just let me digress for a little bit to tell you about my father and I. So my father was an alcoholic. My father was incredibly talented. He played about 11 different instruments and he had almost a split personality because when he was sober, he, he was a quiet, gentle man. But when he had a drink, he, he turned into this demon. And there was always violence and blood and smashing of windows and furniture in my home. And that was the way I grew up. I grew I, in fact, I grew up to hate my dad. And when people asked me about him, I would say, I don't have a father, he's dead. That's what I would do as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And my father and I could drive, you know, for hours in a car somewhere and we'd not say two words to each other. I can't tell you once that I heard my dad say that he loved me or that he hugged me, or anything. I just grew up without affection. That was the way it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a teen, I, I was just very rebellious, you know, bitter towards my dad. But as I, as I got older, and especially after I got married, my wife would had such, a, a, such a, a great effect on me as a person. And she would always say to me, and my mom would say to me, you know what, And I suppose this is the message, the key message that I like to leave with people, is that life is short. And we don't have time to be bitter with people because they're not gonna be here forever. And I learned that a very hard way because I, I struggled with this. this my, I would see my father abusing my mother and all of the things that he did. Um, and it made me very hard to forgive him. And um, and then I made up my mind, I would do it. I said, okay, look, I've got to get this thing right. you know. But I, you know, like when you know you've got to do something but you keep procrastinating because you don't really want to write. And the week that I decided I was going to talk to my dad, he had a massive stroke, right? He was blind. He was paralyzed. He lost his his short-term memory. So he couldn't, If I spoke to him now and I walked away. He couldn't remember who I was. And I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated because even though he lived for uh, quite a few more, maybe probably about six or seven more years, it just wasn't the same. I never got the chance to reconcile with him. And so... I always try to talk to people about this. So my dad, um, just a little bit about him. My dad, you know, when you're young, you don't think about why people are broken the way they are. We're just like, this is a bad person, right? right. But we don't understand that they've been through their own breaking experiences and have not had the chance to heal. Um, and so they bring that into a marriage, they bring that into a family, and these things are perpetuated generation to generation. So only after my dad died did I find out things about him. Like, for instance, when he was like about five years old, um, he was playing under the house with the younger brother, because these houses are built kind of, you know, up and you can play. And they were playing with matches, and my, his younger brother caught a light and burned to death in front of him. And because of that, my father was very scarred. He became kind of a black, he was one of, of 10 children. And he became like the black sheep of the family. He became rebellious. They sent him away to reformatory. Just a lot of things happened to him that broke him. And that's kind of why he was also incredibly talented, but incredibly shy. And that's how he started drinking alcohol, was to kind of get the courage to play the piano or whatever. He played in a band, a very famous jazz band here in Durban, but he couldn't play without drinking. So all of those things. And afterwards, really, after he passed, I I thought about these things. And I thought, if I can somehow get people to heal that relationship, you know, with, with that person. So that's very much a part of and one of the projects that I have the projects that's doing very well at the moment is about exactly that it's about an exchange father and son um, and how through exactly like my bio says they're thrown into this amazing it's like traumatic situation but how they rediscover the, 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 the relationship but ultimately the dad passes because he doesn't tell his son that he has cancer you know so it's like it's just like the son just gets him back and he loses him again but it's just just for that moment that reconciliation changes his life forever Mm -hmm. so that he he he's released from this inability um, to have intimacy because he he you know he's afraid like his father left him he's going to be left it's all of this type of stuff but it's set in an action thriller So it's in the middle of that. So that's one project that I'm very excited about. And then it's it's, it's also something that that, that speaks to to the themes that I'm concerned about. Um, The the other project, again, also the same thing. One of the things that really concerns me in the world is the amount of of hatred and disunity and kind of just how um, the media dictates you know how we respond to one another and how we 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 won't even have a conversation with one another anymore you know it's just like uh, it's just identity politics and you like this and you that's your ideology and like this is this is what the world is like and america's torn at the moment we the same way in our in our country and it really it makes my heart bleed because you know i interact with people on twitter and as soon as you put ideology aside It's like you're talking to a completely different person, and 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 so my other project is, is 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 just about this 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 thing of trying to see one another for who we really are, and to see past. Uh, you know, this this front that we put up, these walls that we put up, because that's how, that's where we, we kind of get our identity from. Okay. It's like, I feel like humanity has an identity crisis at the moment. We don't know who we are. We've forgotten who we are. And we're kind of looking for all of these things to grab onto, to say, okay, this is who I am. And this is who I am. But the more we're doing that, it's like it's, 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 it's breaking us and fragmenting us even more. So About- the story is partly partly but- about that and it's also about it's about a, 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 the other part of my bio about a guy who comes from a past which is horrific where he was a bad person and he did really horrific things but he wants to change so it's a real intense examination of how do i become a different person is it possible for me to become a different person unfortunately in the story um, it is a negative arc, so the more he tries to do what is right uh, as soon as he 's put under pressure those 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 old behaviors and habits and tendencies towards violence and the quick and easy way to solve things, it comes up and it grabs him, and he 's not able to let go of it, so he kind of he, he ends up in this vortex of just horrific stuff happening in his life, eventually he ends up committing suicide because he can 't face um, you can't face society because he's pretended to be one thing. And then people have found out that he's actually something else. And stuff just spiral out. The more he tries to tell lies and, and, and try and keep the situation under control, the worse it becomes. And really it's a story about you cannot have change without truth. Right. You know, if you, if, if, if you, if you're not, if you're not being honest about who you are, and a lot of us are not even honest with ourselves about who we are. And, and if we can't do that, how can we be honest with other people? A lot of us pretend. And that's that's why when I come onto Twitter, you'll see uh, there's a real photograph of me. And I try to be as real with people as possible because there's enough lies and there's yeah. enough deception. And I'm not going to say to you that I know everything or I've done it right. I, I'm making mistakes every single day as a person, as a writer, as a husband, as a father. And I think, you know, that is one of the, the big issues especially with christianity is that it's become nothing but a pretense and people are justified when they when they have a problem with it and they say hypocrite because Mm -hmm. how do we you know you can't duck that because it's true Mm -hmm. so i I just feel like my one of my messages and my themes is let's be real let's be real with one another let's let's be authentic Let's face up to the truth about ourselves, because if we don't do that, there's no hope for change. There's no hope to be a, a different person. That's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, and that was, that's what I was going to say earlier, is that those we're talking about identity politics and, and about humanity having an identity crisis, and that's because we, we're believing falsehoods, and we're grabbing a hold of falsehoods, and we're kind of propping them up as true so we can hide behind them. But ultimately, and, and this is foundational to the Christian faith, is that in order to be saved we first have to repent right and repentance is just about being truthful about who we are and what we've done wrong and asking for forgiveness so and and your story uh, about your dad and about the stories that are coming out of that they resonate brother let me tell you because similar background right uh my father and i were estranged and uh he had multiple systems atrophy and I, i was never able to have that moment of reconciliation and he passed you know and and so I think that's a super strong message, and I think a lot of people uh, I think it's going to echo and resonate with them as well. so uh, I think that's just I, hope so. I think that's just amazing. I can't wait to see how that project comes comes out. so I would love it if you would just kind of let folks know uh, we, we we i mean forty five minutes is just ran by. I mean <laughs> we're definitely gonna have you back on because there's so much more things to talk about, but I would love it if you could. Uh, ben, just tell folks a little bit about where they can find you online, where best is there a place to track what you're doing and keep track with you and interact with you and and, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll, and if there's any projects you have coming out, feel free to promote those as well, so go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, so
1: the, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter. That's Ben Johnson 2018. Um, and I, I really want to encourage you, please Make contact with me. I'm. 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 I, I want to talk to you. I'm interested in you. I want to know what you're doing. I want us to share and exchange ideas. That's why I'm there. You know, I, I'm. I'm sitting on just under fifteen thousand followers, and I not I don't know how that happened because I, I haven't tried. I just. I, all I want to do is talk to people, and if I want to know what you're working on, if I can be of a help and an encouragement to you, I definitely will do that. So that's the chief place to get me. Um, I did start a YouTube channel uh, last year, here before, and it was going very well. But once my projects start kicking in and I've got deadlines, it kind of fell aside. I feel bad about it because it, it was really, that was more semi craft and semi life skill kind of related. And it was, you know, to try and help you find your way into the industry. What do I need to do to to move myself forward? So I'm really thinking seriously about starting that again. But the channel is there. It's under my name, Ben Johnson, Jr. You're welcome to come and say hello. If there's anything that you want me to talk about, they're just like five minute videos, 10 minute videos, not longer than that. Um, please just pop in there, say hi, tell me, and I'll see if I can do something on it. But that's kind of it. Other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm a private kind of person. But that's the forum where, where you can you can we can touch base for sure.
0: Awesome, thank you so much, Ben. And yeah, for the listeners and the watchers out there, Ben is legitimately being absolutely truthful with you. He will talk to you. He will give you his time, and it's super valuable time. And so, definitely do not pass up this opportunity to talk to a brother in Christ who is in this industry. And who is killing it. So um Ben, thank you so much uh for being on with us today. I'd love to have you back on at some point in the future when you sure. have time. And um I'd love to close us out with a prayer if that if that's okay. Sure. All right. No let's, problem. Let's, let's do it. Hi, King of Heaven, uh, we just come before you today, praising your name, Father. Thanking you so much for this this new day that you've given us this new opportunity to draw breath and to serve you and to and to push forward uh Father uh, your kingdom into this world. Uh, Father, I thank you for this technology that connects Ben and I uh, across many, many miles. And I thank you just for the opportunity to connect with him um, almost three years ago now and how, how open and warm he was to me, uh, a virtual nobody, and <laughs> and how just he just took time. And I uh, thank you that we were able to finally coordinate and talk face-to-face. And what a blessing it has been. And Father, I just pray your blessings on him, on his beautiful family, Uh, on the work of his hands, Father, I pray that you will prosper him, uh, and that you will continue to be providential in his life, and that you will continue to um, embolden him and bolster him with these miracles, how you've done it in the past, and how it adds to his testimony, and it adds to his story, and it brings you much glory, and uh, we thank you so much for that, Father. I just pray that uh, if it be your will, we can talk to Ben again uh, very soon, and uh, we just uh, thank you so much again for all of our listeners and for all of our watchers. We just pray your blessings on them. And we pray that they'll be encouraged uh, by this podcast. And we ask it all in the mighty and matchless name of our Savior and our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank ben, you so much. I appreciate uh, that. Man, this has been amazing. I can't wait to talk to you more and hang out with you um, at some point in the future. And I'd love, I'd love one day to meet face to face. We're doing some work with some folks in South Africa currently. So maybe we can uh, actually hang out, you know, over a pint. Sometimes. That'll be cool.
1: That'll be cool. That'll be very cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, for awesome. everybody out there listening and watching in Theophany Media, Creatively Christian land, we thank you so much for, for staying with us again. Um, if you're out there, be sure and uh, share this podcast on whatever platform you're on. Be sure and rate and review us as well. Be sure and connect with Ben. Keep track of all the amazing projects that he's a part of. And we'll be, we'll be back soon with more amazing folks from Creatively Christian. Thank you all, and be blessed in Christ. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. To get all the links and the resources that were mentioned in today's episode, please visit our website at theophanymedia.com forward slash Ben Jr. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Dave Ebert, and Rachel Oxborough. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer did our music, and Jake Dobrins produces and edits the show.